the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 297. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Nate Dunn. Hey, Nate. Thank you for uh, joining the podcast again. Always good to have you here. That's right. I, my first question is, what happens when you hit 300 episodes? You're only three away. Mm. Big party? What goes on? Fireworks? I'm open to suggestions. Carnival? Exciting. Yeah. Why not? We, we haven't, we've been very um, quiet about celebrating the 100 or the 200 or the 250. So, yeah, maybe, how, maybe. Long, how long have you been going? Five and a half. Oh, could it be that long? Yeah, at least five, over five and a half years, I think. Crazy. Crazy. Mm. Very good. Well, all the better for great guests, Nate. So thank you for coming on the show. Now, maybe you can uh, remind listeners where you fit into this world of technology in New Zealand. You know, so I own a company called 3Bit. We're a a small bespoke software house. So we write custom software for all and sundry and also a moderator on GeekZone. And my biggest social media claim to fame would be the fact that I'm just at Nate, N-A-T-E, on Twitter. That tends to get probably the best response when I do a speaking engagement. No one really cares about what I'm talking about. It's just the fact I'm Nate on Twitter. Well, we're very honoured to have Nate on Twitter on the NZ Tech podcast. It is actually a little bit funny in the fact, just thinking about it out loud, that I think people think that my social media influence or credentials better because I've got such a short name, which doesn't make any sense. It just means that I was a little bit quicker off the bat when Twitter started, but whatever, I'll take it. Mm, mm. Oh, well. And um, I don't do this very often, but people have told me that I should also, that I ask my guests where they fit into the technology world, and I should also mention where I do. So I'm trying to get into the habit of that, and it doesn't happen very often. But I am the um, the founder of a company called Gorilla Technology, and we provide uh, services to, to organi- small to medium organisations predominantly uh, in New Zealand, provide them with strategic advice and, uh, and direction around how they should uh, utilise technology. And we... We run the uh, we run the technology for um, for most most of those firms, uh, but we also do do some outside uh, consulting projects for uh, for other organisations that uh, that need help, uh, particularly with uh, with strategy and with uh, resolving um, issues. So that's us. Let's jump in now. Um, first up, Nate, Google have announced a new product, Google Duo, today, which is a mobile video chat app, which is um, going to be available very shortly, momentarily, momentarily in theory, for Android and, um, and, and iPhone, iOS. And it's being sort of treated as a competitor to uh, Apple's FaceTime. What's your, what's your pick on this? I mean, we seem to have a lot of apps out there already that will do, uh, you know, person-to-person, I guess, text message replacements, calling replacements, and, and video calling um, from those sort of old, more old-school ones like uh, Skype, which, you know, most people seem to have an account for through to the, the WhatsApps and, and, and so on that have, um, you know, that, that came along to uh, avoid the cost of texting. Is there, is there room for this? I think it's more around the from the uh, the review that um, we were reading earlier. I think it's more around the simplicity of just being able to quite quickly call and video someone. I think um, those of us that use tech all the time start to forget how complicated things can be. And I, I think it's not until you try and explain it to a, a third person over the phone that you think actually this is really complicated. And I think the perfect example I had was we're over in Sydney a couple of weeks ago uh, for a friend's birthday and, and, and he was trying to get his dad who lives here in NZ and he lives in Sydney trying to get his dad on WhatsApp and then try to make a video call. And he said, look, you know, he's 
nearly 65, I think it was, and he just struggles with technology, and it was just too complicated. And I think that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me is that, yeah, we've got all this cool tech, but in some ways you need to strip it back to it's more, you know, it's simple, uh, it's really simple basic parts and just do that really, really well. And from what I was reading about this duo thing, um, which I have tried to install, but it, um, that's another thing, Google Play comes up that you can pre-register, which I have never seen before. Well, I got a 404 error when I went to the uh, duo.google.com page earlier. could partly be to do with being in New Zealand. I don't know whether your your Google account is a New Zealand one or a... No, uh, yeah, no, ours one. is a, a, a NZ one, but I, I assume they'll email him. But from the looks of things, it looks like it just, it does video chat. It makes it really easy to call someone out, you know, as easy as to make a phone call, because I suppose that's really the benchmark. You can click someone's name and it rings. So Juro really needs to be like that, and you can just video call them. I think there is a space for it, because I think FaceTime works really well, but I don't, and I'm not a big Apple user but i is facetime locked down to the ios ecosystem can you install it on anything else no so it's one of those things that it's i guess you could relate it a little bit to blackberry messenger back in the day and it was one of those things that kind of created a little bit of stickiness for uh, for BlackBerry was that you had BlackBerry Messenger and you know all your all your BlackBerry uh, friends would be on it and you'd message and and whatnot through and through BlackBerry Messenger. I mean, Google certainly they've got the um, the surface area to be able to do to do very well. There are lots of other products in the market. When I think about how I use FaceTime or should I say don't use FaceTime because what I tend to use is just the audio side doing the video calling I guess is uh, is a subset of my of my communications it's a much smaller subset like I do like to be able to do video calling but it's not what I do absolutely all the time so that's you know why to me it is um, it's a little bit curious but you know as you've said if, if that's what you want to do and everybody, you know, probably most people do want to do that some of the time, and this can be the app that makes it the easiest, then, uh, yeah, there's no reason why why it wouldn't work. And being multi-platform, um, all the better, right? Now, it is focused very much on mobile because it uh, basically just uh, it works off your phone number, um, so you'd be a little bit stuck if you wanted to do it on a device that doesn't have a, uh, doesn't have a SIM card in it phone, and, a, and a phone number. Um, so... and. Interesting. We will uh, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, but um, yeah, what's up on the verge about it? Um, you know, makes it look look slick and 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 simple and and easy. So I yeah, think we'll the wait. fact that the app runs and then it's got you know a, a really it looks like a really cool way of of calling where it's sort of if you have got a contact. Uh, I think I was reading before that the phone vibrates or, or pops up exactly like a phone call, which is exactly what you want. You're wanting to mimic a phone call. You want to make it super simple, super easy, and that it's exactly like a phone call, but it's got that video component and you're not going to someone, oh, sorry, I missed your call. Um, I'd logged out of Skype, for example, or I didn't have WhatsApp running or I didn't have Viber running or any of that sort of stuff. So yeah, I, I think the power of this app will have to be, it has to do one thing really, really well. Yeah. Now one um, feature that they do have, which sounds kind of cool, is this, what they're calling a knock, knock. And when you receive a call from somebody, and this apparently is just on the Android app to uh, to start with, doesn't work on I- iPhone yet. Basically your your screen, and maybe it won't be able to work on, um, on, on iPhone, but your screen uh, starts showing you the live video from the caller even before you answer. Mm. So it lets you see see who's calling and, um, you know, it, maybe it would enc- encourage them to, um, I don't know, be a bit animated or make some funny faces or, or whatever in some situations to try and encourage you to uh, to answer. Just, um, just swipe in. Hold, hold up a, a, a written message in front of the screen and who who knows. But, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. So, 
I'll look forward to actually having a little bit of a play with that um, when it comes through. Now, we've got some interesting events hitting uh, New Zealand, um, Auckland in particular, uh, next week. So next week on Monday is a one-day uh, event at Sky City with uh, Kevin Mitnick. Now, we were chatting a little bit earlier, Nate, about uh, Kevin Mitnick and... Uh, I mean, he is a bit of a um, a bit of a legend in the uh, in the cyber security world. But most of us pr- pr- probably haven't sort of you know drilled in too much, or not necess- not in recent uh, years to to his background. But uh, you know, unless you've got a particular interest in cyber security, but uh, you know, really fascinating uh, individual, and it's well worth jumping on uh, Wikipedia or one of the online resources and um, just schooling yourself up on. Uh, on his background, I was uh, yeah having having a read on uh, on Wikipedia, and it starts talking about his uh, under the computer hacking he- heading. It says at age thirteen, Mitnick used social engineering and dumpster diving to bypass the punch card system used in the Los Angeles bus system. After he convinced a bus driver to tell him where he could buy his own ticket punch for in quotes a school project. He was able to ride any bus in the greater Los Angeles area using unused transfer slips that he found in a dumpster next to the bus company garage. And it goes on to say social engineering later became his primary method of obtaining information, including usernames and passwords and modem phone numbers. Now, of course, he, he, he went on to much greater crimes, shall, shall we say, and was, um, was a big target uh, for the FBI, who eventually tracked him down and uh, you know, he spent a number of years, uh, about five years, uh, in prison, including, I think, an, an eight-month stint in, um, in solitary confinement. And this bit was interesting. Um, According to Mitnick, law enforcement officials convinced a judge that he had the ability to start a nuclear war by whistling into a payphone, meaning that law enforcement told the judge that he could somehow dial into the NORAD uh, modem via a payphone from prison and communicate with the modem by whistling to launch uh, nuclear missiles. Um, so yeah, some some pretty fascinating stuff. But for a number, quite a number of years now, he's he's had his uh, his his own uh, firm um, advising businesses around uh, around varying aspects of uh, of cybersecurity as a consulting firm. You know, very much will be a very exciting um, speaker, I think, to uh, to hear from. So he is in Auckland next Monday. Um, I'm hoping to get down and uh, and catch that event. I think that should be pretty uh, pretty fantastic. Nate, would this be a sort of event you'd be interested in? Yeah, no, he, he's um, anyone who's interested in cybersecurity, his name inevitably pops up all the time. And I, I think social en- engineering made up a, a massive part of, of, of what he did. And I, I remember seeing it. It wasn't a demonstration that he did, but it was a demonstration that someone else did. And that by asking the right questions and, and posing things in the right way, you can often get the information that you, you need. And I remember seeing one on a, what had happened is this lady uh, wanted to get access to this reporter's account. And then what she did is she played a, the sound of a baby crying on her iPhone and then rang the, the help desk and said, hey, look, my husband, the reporter, who wasn't actually her husband, um, set up this account. I need access. He's away, whatever. I've got a screaming child and blah, blah. And was able to, to sort of meander her way through and get access to the account, which is incredibly scary. So it shows that, you know, and off ways you can have all these really secure systems, but it's the human element that often is the, the vulnerability. So I think, yeah, if you're really interested in this, in the security and, and all the other scary stuff that, that can happen online, definitely would be a good one to go to and he's yeah talk to anyone in that that realm the surname mitnick 
straight away everyone knows who that is. Yeah, well, I have tweeted him in the past when I've been in the same city as him to try and uh, try and organise getting him on the podcast, and it uh, it hasn't worked. Um, so I'm very much look, looking forward to that one. Should be pretty cool. Um, the other person who's in in town uh, next week as well, and we've got a little giveaway in relation to this, which we'll, we'll, we'll come to. Steve Wozniak. Now I've spoken to Steve. Who's that? Well, I've spoken Who's to Steve on the phone a couple of times, but um, haven't uh, haven't met him in person. So um, this is one I'm I'm keen to. Uh, uh, get to as as well. Um, so he will be um, he's he's speaking in Auckland uh, Tuesday night, and yeah, telling I guess a little bit of, of his story. And as you know, co-founder of Apple, he's got some pretty fascinating uh, fascinating stories to tell. And you know, definitely something for um, for those who are interested, I guess, in uh, in the history of technology and and some of those sort of key people. Then you know, Wozniak's right up there, and he has some fascinating stories to uh, fascinating stories to tell. To tell, I've. Um, I've caught some of his stuff on uh, on YouTube videos and things like that, uh, but I think he'd be be great to catch uh, in person. So if you're uh, if you are interested in going to that, um, then it's worth you know jumping online or either of those events worth jumping online and uh, getting your tickets while they're they're still available. Um, but we have just had. Um, uh, confirmed that we have a double pass to give away to the um, the Steve uh, Wozniak um, event. So if you're interested in that, just drop an email along to giveaways at nztechpodcast.com um, and then you'll go into our uh, our little draw and we'll notify you by... Ooh, when are we going to cut that off? We'll notify you by... Ooh, when's a fair time to cut it off? Because some people don't listen to the podcast immediately or don't get around to it. Sun- Sunday or Monday? Because you also want people to have a chance to, uh, you know, if they're from elsewhere in the country, because the t- up tickets aren't, um, you know, they're, 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 they're worth a little bit. So um, you want people to have a chance to. Uh, when's to, he actually to playing here? here? What was the date again? Playing um, his band. Um, no, he's. Uh, <laughs> you know t- what I mean. T- t- Tuesday, Tuesday evening. So uh, I think Sunday evening should be. You think? Yep. Okay. Sun, sun, Sunday evening. Um, so that would be the twenty first. Yes. All right. Yeah. So, so, um, so there we go. It it has been decided. Have you got disclaimers? No employees of the NZ Tech Podcast can enter. Judge's decision is final. No correspondence entered into. Now, the, actually, the tickets on this are pretty reasonable because he's at the um, ASB um, Theatre. That's a bigger, you know, it's a big, big venue. Um, I think last time when he came, I think it was a, a probably a, a different, slightly different sort of style of uh, of event, a smaller event. Um, the ticket prices were were a lot more. The tickets range from. Um, $89, just having a look here, up to $499. Oh. Um, so, um, yeah, so there's some pretty reasonably, um, you know, pri- priced tickets, um, you know. Can, 499 That's pretty. Actually, I really can't. I had the conversation, but that's completely off, off the side. My wife loves Oprah, and we saw Oprah end of last year, and she mm. was for twenty a ticket, and there weren't even amazing seats. Mm. Mm. So, so, if yeah. you're a big, if you're big into technology and not so much daytime talk show hosts... Yeah, and I mean a lot. Probably not that much. Yeah, and I mean the Kevin Mitnick event. That's you know that that that's a step up again. But you know that's a that's a you know a, a, a business thing. That's an investment in your organisation going along to something like that. So exactly. um, so w- well worth it. Now, if so, if you are interested, you get two things. One, you get on our mailing list uh, for the New Zealand Tech Podcast, and two, you get in the draw. Uh, just email competitions at NZ Tech Podcast by. Do we say a time? Seven seven p.m. Seven p.m. Sunday. Seven p.m. Uh, Sunday, which is the twenty first of August. Right, that's it. So, um, yep, email away. Uh, now, other uh, other 
in local news, um, Spark have announced a new uh, CEO for um, for Spark Ventures, and of course, uh, Spark Ventures includes Big Pipe. Well, this is where yeah, where where Big Pipes come from. Their um, their internet service provider, whose service I'm trying out at home at the moment uh, to see how they go. Been pretty good so far. Skinny Mobile, Lightbox, and um, and also Curious. Um, so it, it, it's where Spark basically um, develop new uh, new business units, and uh, they've said that Ed Hyde will be stepping into the role as uh, CEO. Most recently, Ed has been the um, running their their Curious business, which is their um, their big data and analytics um, entity. So um, Ed's a pretty uh, pretty sharp guy. So um, I think that'll probably work out uh, work out well for them. Um, and you know, it's it's good to have larger organisations within New Zealand taking this sort of approach and it, you know it's really a, a unit within within Spark that launches new uh, new startup businesses and uh, you know of course they've done uh, they've done reasonably well in the scheme of things with uh, with Lightbox you know I think a lot of a lot of people uh, use their services although they're up against a, a pretty hard one there um, uh, against Netflix and um, you know I think um, you know Skinny by all accounts um, does does reasonably well um, also. On a side note with that, there is a thread on Geekzone going at the moment that if you are interested, Lightbox is actually looking at, uh, is looking for beta testers uh, for their, I think it's a new Android app, or it might be the existing one, I'm not 100% sure, I don't um, I don't use Lightbox, but um, yeah, if you just jump on Geekzone and do a search for Box beta test, uh, you should be able to see the details there, so if you're an Android user, I'm sure they'd love to hear from you, and um, yeah, you get a bit of give feedback into how they craft the uh, the Android app, so that's always pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Let's have a quick look here. What else have we got? Um, some new um, bits and pieces happening in the world of um, automobile technology. Audi have um, have found an, a way of um, scoring some free power. Basically, what they're uh, what they've said is they've got um, new suspension technology that can basically generate electricity from the movement of a vehicle on the road which you know as you're driving you don't sort of notice the bumps and so on too much in a in a typical vehicle because the suspension does uh, uh, generally does a pretty good job and um, this new technology will um, will actually capture that and um, and we don't know too much about the detail Audi have said that the system recovered an average of a hundred to 150 watts per trip although they didn't say the length of what that trip was so not particularly um useful just on its own but yeah it's um i think it's gonna be it'll be a nice little add-on because you've also got uh, regenerative braking which is where well if you keep adding these things up right yeah it's it's all it's all good and then adding that on to the fact with um elon musk who announced his sort of grand plans for tesla where you'd have a solar panel on the roof Surely all this stuff's got to help. Well, our next story is about, is about Fisker. And they're the guys who started with the solar panels on the roof. And um, they are... I've seen one of their vehicles, actually. I saw it sitting in the, in the parking lot outside uh, CES in, in Las Vegas. And um, quite, a, quite a cool, slick-looking uh, slick vehicle. Um, and they, yeah, they're, they're reliant on a, um, on a solar, solar-powered roof. And they are um, uh, they're back under the name of Karma, which was the name of their um, their first vehicle, and um, they're supposedly going to be launching this. And um, they haven't released too much details to date, but they're talking about the solar panels on the roof being able to power the vehicle. Now, 
I think that's a reasonably generic statement. I don't think that they're suggesting that there's enough juice coming out of the roof to actually fire your vehicle down the road for an extended period. Maybe you you uh, let it charge up for a day and you've got uh, a few minutes worth of driving, but um, I don't think the science would be quite there just to drive you around the place, would it, in a, um, in a full-size motor vehicle <laughs> hit it, by, by solar, not, it, not from what we've seen in if it gets cloudy, so far. Yeah. If it gets cloudy, the whole motorway shuts down because no one's got any power. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the clouds part. I would, I would have always thought, you know, when Elon Musk announced that the Tesla's going to start having solar panels on the roof, I would have always thought that they were just far too heavy. Like the amount of weight that would add to the car would negate any electricity. But having said this, the man's been able to launch a rocket and re-land it on a floating platform in the ocean. So I think all bets are off, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's been involved in the solar world for uh, you know for some time with Solar Solar City. So he sh- he should know a, a thing or two around uh, around that side of things. So uh, yeah. I guess we will we'll, we'll see what's um, what happens in that uh, in that space, but it doesn't um, it doesn't hurt, does it, to try and uh, try and take in power from every sort of single direction that that you can, and um, adding adding these things together um, will just make these things much more efficient. So yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Mm, I think so too. Anyway, I, I wonder whether we'd look back and and think uh, once all the cars have this sort of uh, regenerative capability from suspension and and braking and and whatever else they can come up with that you know you can get to the stage where all these things add up to a little bit of add up to a lot of power which are going to help especially with range yeah well with an electric vehicle i guess you know you've got you've got that challenge you can't just top up the uh the tank you've got to go you know you've got to go and and plug in generally so Hmm. yeah if all of these bits and pieces can uh can bump up your range that becomes uh becomes you know helpful certainly on those uh on those longer journeys although you know i guess when we when we look at vehicles today a pretty large majority i would think of uh of people aren't probably going to be hitting the range of the um, you know no. the the top uh, EVs that are um, you know certainly moving up and up and up in terms of their uh, the distances that they can run in between charges. So um, and I think that will continue you know moving up, won't it? It's going to it's going to get easier. Exactly. It's um, it's not like cell phones that sort of you know went from long longish battery lives down to uh, reasonably short ones. Hopefully they'll. Uh, those run times will keep keep improving for uh, for cars. Now, an interesting um, story on a young uh, young chap in uh, the US who a nine year old he was um, abducted and he happened to be he happened to have a um, a, a, a pretty simple um, smartwatch. Um, LG make a smartwatch that's available through a number of uh, carriers in in the US that has a, a SIM card embedded into it and it's able to uh, it's able to make um, outgoing calls to a small sort of pre-programmed list of sort of you know family members etc um, it's called the gizmo gadget um, and it also has a GPS tracking capability in, in it and um, this this young lad uh, basically was able to uh, to call his um, stepdad and was he was also the the child was actually able to um, toss himself uh, or jump jump out of the uh, uh, the vehicle in which I think he hurt himself a little bit but yeah he was um, he was a, away and um, I guess the um, this watch came in uh, helpful on this on this occasion that's some pretty cool tech. Very it's a cool. it's a bit sad though to be in a world where we where we kind of you know might need this sort of technology and of course. If this were a very common technology, then um, you know it would probably be known to a 
to the what would you call them the ab abductor. Yeah, I, I think that these th- sort of things exist. So if it came too main mainstream, they would yeah. um, they'd be able to cotton onto it. I, I think my counter argument to that is I, I already know this tech exists because um, a friend of mine has the has a watch that does all those sort of things that you've outlined. Um, and he has it for his uh, dad who's uh, um, a little bit disabled and what they've got is they've got the ability that they can um, push a button I think there's four or five buttons on it and it has to you know he's he's a a bit older now so it's super simple it's got four or five buttons on it and he can push one of those and it dials through directly to uh, to whoever he's pushed a button for Um, they can also log in and see where he is and blah 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 so I think that the counter argument for that technology and, and, the, and that particular um, application is just fantastic because now they're not thinking if dad goes off for lunch or somewhere and sort of loses his coordination or, or, or loses it where he is, there's no longer, you're no longer worrying, thinking, oh, where is he? Oh, yeah, bring up Google Map. Oh, there he is. Um, I think you can also remotely ring the watch as well. Like if there's a, a set list of numbers and it will automatically switch it to speakerphone, I think. I might be wrong. But I think they're just having that, that peace of mind that if you have got an elderly relative who you, you want to track and who, and they're comfortable being tracked, yeah, I think that technology is so empowering and mm. it, it just gives you that peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's right. And, you know, I guess the reality is for a lot of these things is you might have one particular use of, of it in mind, but sometimes there are other use cases that, um, you know, m- maybe actually much more uh, relevant and that, that sounds like a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now we've heard um, also heard about smart tattoos. I, what's, what's, I, I what's, your, t- what's your take on um, on a um, I guess a um, a temporary tattoo that you could wear that actually is a uh, is a technological device? We've heard that um, a group of PhD students from MIT uh, Media Lab. That's not. MIT in New Zealand, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and Microsoft Research have have come up um, with this wearable, which is effectively a temporary tattoo um, that you can turn into a touchpad to remotely control your smartphone uh, or share data using uh, near-field communications. And um, actually, actually looks kind of cool. I think it's cool. I think this is along the line of, was it an article two or three months ago about a guy that had pulled the, the chip out of his credit card? I think, and it embedded, and actually had it surgically embedded in his wrist so that he could pay wave using his wrist. That would make me very uncomfortable. I think this is really good. I think being able to have something where you could, let's say, if you're, you're driving and you're obviously not allowed to use your phone, but you had the ability to just tap your wrist and it would answer the call on your um, your car kit, that sort of thing. I think, yeah, really good. I think this is more on the surface. I think, yeah. Gets a bit scarier if it's a, a surgical implant. This is, I think, the start of something really, really cool. Yes. Well, we'll have to we'll have to see where it uh, where it develops. So, I mean, I can certainly see a, a, a fun aspect to what they're calling the duo skin. As as time goes on, maybe there will be, um, you know, there will be some real real practical uh, uses for it. I suppose, but uh, you're not so keen. Well, no, it's it kind of looks cool. I'm. I guess I'm. Um, I'm. I'm. I haven't given a whole lot of thought in terms of what could be the sort of super practical uses for it. Mm. I think I for mean, me, there, it there be... are lots of ways of controlling technology. I mean, I guess if you relate it back to the other story with the, the child that got got abducted, yeah. if you could have, if you know, if you were that concerned about that sort of thing, maybe you live in a particularly scary area or something, um, then uh, you know, the, the the smartphone or smartwatch might be hidden somewhere on them, but uh, they've got this little tattoo that they can uh, you know touch in a particular way to send off the alert. I, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm just getting my head around what what those possibilities are 
that might make it uh, particularly useful okay. to be one of these tactics. How about this would be a scenario? You go into a meeting, you've got a little NFC, whatever it is, or, or a little thing on your, on your wrist. So instead of handing out business cards, somehow they could have their phone and they could tap your wrist and then they had Couldn't all, you just tap your phone the to the phone? Well, you could do that, but it would be much cooler if you did it on your wrist. Okay, okay. All right. Just thinking out loud. No, no, I think, good. Or some way you could have pre-programmed buttons that trigger off particular things on your um, phone or... Well, I, these I think things are done, are done with sort of gold leaf and so on. So they, they, look, they look quite cool, you know. It would look quite cool in some sort of a... Um, yeah, I can see I some I think it some needs much smarter minds than your, you and I to come up with <laughs> useful <laughs> applications that, yeah. that aren't just a novelty for someone who really likes tech. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there will be some use cases. Um, feel free to email us in your use cases if you want double points or double chance of uh, winning in our uh, competition. Then, um, then put in your uh, put in some bright suggestions on um, how um, MIT's Duo Skin might be uh, might be utilised. So, uh, yeah. All right. Now, oh, we now we've been uh, we've been looking at this phone here. We we talked about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but I was under a um a strict agreement to be well, I wasn't even allowed to bring the phone into the podcast to sort of chat about fully in person with the guests, so we chatted through it. I have one back in my hands again, and it's a Samsung uh, Note 7. Now, Nate, you've had a little bit of a little bit of a look. I could say you sort of have fallen into that Samsung uh, fanboy um, area from time to time. Was um, a massive Samsung fan until Huawei flew me to Singapore to see their new phones, and now I'm Huawei fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm I've I've been a big fan of the Notes mainly because um, my wife's been through pretty much. So we've got a cafe together, so it's quite important that she's got an up to date phone. Um, she's in and out of the kitchen all the time and doesn't really have the the ability to sit down at a laptop because she's always very, very mobile. So she's been right through all the, the standard Samsung phones and then we made a decision to jump it to the Note, which we would never go back to a smaller phone because she's able to bring up recipes, respond to emails, um, staff, blah, 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 blah on these bigger phones. The thing that strikes me about this uh, Samsung, well, the first one is um, I thought we were only on 5. Going from the Note a, 5 to the Note 7, but you that's, that's a, odd? Yeah, so we've jumped to 6, have we? Or have I just missed it? Yeah, so 6 is gone. There okay. was no six. Okay, so okay, well, right. So there was no six, and I th- and I mean, yeah, my my pick is from, and you know, they're varying uh, they're varying thoughts on whether they're trying to line up with um, being being ahead of of Apple with the iPhone seven or you know, however you want to call it. Uh, but it does line up. I mean, it very much is lined up with the Galaxy S seven and S seven Edge. Um, it's really a superset of both of those those handsets it does feel like the smaller phone because i know that when you've got the i say in inverted commas the normal note so let's say the note i think my wife's currently got the note 4 so she's a bit far behind mm. but with the note 4 if you compare a note 4 to say an s5 what's i don't know what the latest s, s4 s5. s7 s7 i'm even further behind um if you compare by the, compare those two phones next to each other it's very very easy to see the, the size difference huge you know very easy to see the size difference whereas that thing that to me if you hadn't said that was a note and the stylus is a giveaway but if you hadn't said that was a note i would have thought that was just a stock standard s series phone Mm. so i've got it actually i've got it next to my s5 at the moment now this is an s5 with the um wireless charging back on it so it's slightly thicker than normal but the width of them is is actually very similar the main uh, difference with the Note Seven is it's it's taller, but you know not by much. 
um, not by you know a yeah. huge amount. Not so- having the bezel makes a big difference. I think like the curved. I never liked the curved um, S6 Edge. Was it that had the curves? I just thought that was a bit of a gimmick. But with that, the, the curves I think are a lot more subtle, and I think it does make the screen. The phone doesn't seem as big when it, it doesn't have a bezel going around the sides. And I think the next phase would be, because it, it, it goes edge to edge on the, the the left and right, but the top and bottom still have quite a bit, bit of a bezel. So I think once we get to that stage where that whole, so in essence, your whole phone is a screen, there's no... Where's wow. the camera going to go? Do you think we'll have a camera that looks through the screen at yeah, you? Yeah, I think we'd so have that, a, So that the screen, basically the fingerprint reader would be built into the screen or or maybe the back, at the back of the phone like the as, we, as we've seen in, uh, in, in some of the other products including an upcoming one from uh, from Vodafone that I, I saw the other day uh, we'll probably chat about that in the, maybe next week but yeah the, the, you, I guess you can move the um, the on-screen buttons to soft buttons you potentially have your fingerprint reader on the screen That's if you had a camera screen. that could see through the screen then you'd be away mm-hmm. now technically I don't quite know how you could have a l- way that that could happen but um, hey anything how, how anything they, is possible with technology how do right? they do a curve screen who would have ever thought we would have been, you know, well, screen used, should be flat. We used, to, we used to have curved screens, and then there was a big breakthrough called flat screens. Remember TVs? Oh, yeah, they that didn't true. used to be flat. Um, that is true. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, who knows what uh, exactly what what's coming up? Other than, other than things we've. I heard think of. we're going to see the screens. This is my prediction. I think we're going to see the screens become more encompassing. So you're going to see it as one big screen, and I think it's going to get thinner. And I think you said that's got the, all the waterproof goodness that. Yeah, so you've basically got everything that's in the um, in the um, Galaxy S seven and S seven Edge, and you've you've got your stylus. You've got that sixty four uh, gigs worth of um, built in storage plus one hundred and twenty eight gig uh, micro SD card that's shipping with it. So you've sort of got the biggest amount Bucket of storage um, in in any uh, phone that's av- available that I can think of. Is somebody doing one with two five six? I can't remember, but maybe um, a smaller vendor is doing something. Should like, we talked about like the sign sign in part as well? Yes, um, well, I guess that that is unique one in this of the cool one, features. as it's got the um, um, iris recognition. And when I first tried this a couple of weeks ago, I didn't really want to talk about it because I guess you know one of the uh, one of the things is is if if somebody gives me access to a product early before it's got the final software and the final bits and pieces, often that software isn't working quite right. So it'd be very easy to sort of complain about features that aren't quite right. And I just didn't have the confidence really to talk about the um, the iris recognition, where uh, basically you can authenticate. Maybe you've um, maybe you've been cooking. Maybe you're uh, using this in a swimming pool. There's a whole lot of scenarios you might want to get into your phone, and you can't use the fingerprint reader. Mm. You can use that iris recognition to uh, to log in. Um, or you can have both. Now, I've always found that fingerprint uh, fingerprint readers are, uh, are a pretty quick, slick way to get in. But I had problems with that on the uh, the earlier build. But this um, this handset I've got, and I don't know what the variation is on the software, is pretty slick, and it mostly seems to log me in nice and quick. Um, there is a whole list of uh, warnings in the software about glasses and things like that maybe impacting it. But um, you know, I've I found I'm able to uh, to log in with with my glasses on. Um, now you do have to position you do have to position it right and right now as I'm trying to log in it was telling me to um, position a little bit uh, a little bit closer I'm just going to try try that again okay tried it again and it logged me you know straight in there and it puts it's for anyone who may have tried the um, Microsoft's Lumia 950 and 950 XL they also um, had an iris recognition type uh, type capability. Uh, built into them but I found that to be pretty poor 
Yeah. Um, in fact, I found it to be a waste of time. And because it didn't have a fingerprint reader as well, it was only that, uh, I, I just found the whole thing a waste of time. Um, I think this is much smarter because it helps you in terms of where you should position your eyes. Um, it shows you on, on screen to line your eyes up with some uh, some circles so you get that bit right. Um, and, of course, it's got the fingerprint reader as well. So having that as an additional item to a fingerprint reader I think is, is genius. Um, the, you know, I don't see any downside to it. Whether we'll see it long-term in every phone going forward, um, I don't know. I don't know whether they'll find that's just an, an, a magic feature that they keep. Mm. You know, sometimes in the past, Samsung have, have, have launched things and sort of found that it isn't a, um, you know, enough of a killer feature, so it doesn't sort of stick around. I'm not sure. I'm, not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence on that one, I've got to say. Uh, but when you add that together, as you mentioned, with being waterproof and all the other bits and pieces, it is a really amazing phone and, and of course be being a, being the a note it's got the stylus so you can sort of scribble on screen and yeah. and uh, and and uh, you know do notes. Does it feel like a big phone? Like I've no, got the I mean, I've got the Nexus and mine like I know mine is a big phone and it feels like a big phone and if you use one of the old notes it, it feels like a big phone whereas that doesn't feel like a big phone. Well, I guess because you're you're used to a bigger phone like the Nexus and so on, you've sort of got used to it. So yeah. now this just feels quite. But normal. I think too that it's it's not very thick and it just it. it it seems to be quite easy to because you know with a big phone, I think the thing that gives it away is it, it, it tends to be a little bit clumsy to hold on to, yes. and you sort of need to hold it with both hands. Whereas that just feels very natural to. I don't know whether it's the the curving of the edges or or it's not not as wide, but it just that doesn't feel like a big phone to me. No, no. I mean, for a five point seven inch screen, it's um it's pretty accessible. And I think adding on to what you said about the the eye the iris scanners, I think I love this sort of technology. I've never been a big fan of typing, uh, repetitively typing in a password or a PIN. So anything, you know, like a fingerprint reader or anything else where I can just quickly unlock. Because um, even up until recently, I had no screen lock on my phone. Um, but then we did a sort of audit and we've got, um, my phone would then have access to a few quite sensitive things. So we then went through and put pins and, and fingerprint readers on, you know, uh, enable them on all our, our company phones. And most organisations would do that as a, yeah, as a policy as, you've for got any, to do any phone that's connected um, to their uh, email system and so on. So having that sort of technology where you don't have to repetitively type in your, you know, your favourite cat's name with a street and a number, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Now, um, one last thing on uh, on new phones. A uh, company we spoke about a little while ago, they were, um, they were launching a, a car, but one of the Chinese smartphone makers, uh, Le Echo. Word is that they are launching a new flagship phone that's going to have eight gigabytes of RAM, which is is kind of nuts. I mean, you know, most of the sort of high end, you know, phones we're talking about today, are, you know, three gigs or maybe four gigs of RAM. This uh, doubles it and it's going to have the Snapdragon um, 8. 821 uh, processor so um, yes yeah, so whenever somebody one ups uh, somebody else will come along and uh, and try and beat and beat it in one way or another um, but that said yeah I'm pretty happy with the uh, the note 7 if you're looking for the newest sort of killer device uh, that's certainly the um, the one to beat I think on the on the market at the moment uh, it's also right up there in terms of pricing I think uh, 1599 is about the uh, yeah, around that $1600 price range is the uh, the launch price um, I think that's us for this episode Nate cool anything else you wanted to add I just really wanted to quickly add if I can about that app I was telling you oh about. yes we were talking just quickly just having a flick onto the next page of my notes so while Blen- he- Blendle Blendle about Blendle um, so I stumbled across this. I think someone tweeted about it uh, probably about a week ago. So the the concept with Blendle is that it is a news app. 
And it takes all the really good stuff from from like your Time magazine, your New York Times, all those really big publications. These are the ones and that will often charge you for content. Correct. Right? And you'll have to pay 6 or $7 per magazine. And if you're anything like me, you're not really interested in all the articles, but there'll be some key ones there. And Blender is perfect for this because um, it, you can see a magazine, it'll show you all the articles, but then if you click on one, it'll open it up and, and the prices range from, say, 10 cents up to, I think the biggest one I've seen is 29 cents. And so you can read through the article and if you're happy with it, great if you're not you can click give me a refund and they'll refund it back to you and, and away you go and so that, that's just talking about magazines but there's all sorts of other articles so it really is a sort of micro payments merged with like on de- not on demand journalism but sort of buffet ju- journalism you know you can pick the bits you want don't read the bits that you don't care about and for someone like me it fits really well because when I'm having my morning coffee, I can go through and read the really interesting pieces and ignore the stuff I don't like. Um, the web's really nice website. It, it, it does, when you are reading things, it, it doesn't do your traditional up and down scroll. It, it does a horizontal scroll, which is a little bit, uh, takes a bit of time to get used to. And it's got a really nice app. Yeah. And when you sign up, you get actually, they give you a $2.50 credit. So you've got at least a little bit of, to, of money to pay with. Um, I think I've just about uh, burned through my, all my credit, but I found it a really nice way of consuming journalism. So, yeah, jump on, have a look, Blendle, B-L-E-N-D-L-E.com. Yeah, They're based seem- out of uh, the Netherlands. Yeah, it's, it seems like a really good uh, really good concept. Um, when you go to their website, you put in an email address and you go on their, uh, um, their wait list, which seems to be a common thing these days. When I went there, how many people did it say it had on their list? Hold on, just I think gonna, there's quite a I'm few on the list. But again. the thing that I, came with, I found was strange is when I signed up a week ago, I'd actually forgotten even about the beta list, um, when I signed up, I probably got an email within 10 minutes saying, yep, you've got access, right. go here and sign up. Yep. So it says there's 25,000 people in, in line, um, but they may well be moving, you know, they, they can keep these lines sort of moving. It's it's kind of a way to, I guess, encourage you just to get in the list, even if you're like, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, well, there's a list. Well, I better get in there so when, when I am ready, I'm high up the list and I can just get at it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, smart smart marketing. I, when you sign up, you get an email straight back from, um, you know, automated email from the founder who, you know, suggests, hey, you know, feel free to email him directly, which is, is kind of cool. It's obviously, you know, Early, early days, he's saying he'll get back to everyone uh, d- directly. It's quite a nice, um, you jump on their blog when you've got a chance and listeners should jump on as well and have a read about, he talks about trying to launch it and then he was flying over to the States pretty much every week trying to get meetings with all these big publishers and trying to sell the dream of, hey look, you know, you could actually make a bit of money from people who aren't interested in subscribing but are interested in, in particular articles. Like uh, last night I was reading a really interesting article around racial wars and the police force in the US and, and how that changing dynamic is, is changing things and, and how um, the, the Black Lives, Lives Matter movement is affecting things and blah, blah, blah. Really fascinating article. And it's something that I wouldn't have read normally because I'm not really interested in buying a whole magazine when I'm just interested in that one you know, cover article. So I think, yeah, for me, this is probably right up there with Spotify. Like when I first installed Spotify massively changing and I think the same it is very early days but I think Blendor highly recommend you jump on um, and have a bit of a play yeah no I, I agree I mean we've, we've heard about the idea of being able to do micro payments to pay for content access in the past but no one seemed to have ever come up with something that um, that really did it there's one or two companies have been playing around with sort of subscriptions and you know but this to me looks uh, looks really good so I think the fact I, that it's I got that it, I hope refund, it catches on. That refund thing, I think, is really good because you could click it and go, "Oh, great! This is an article about 
headphones or whatever, you click and go, oh, this is not what I want to... And you sort of get that buyer's remorse. But with this, you can just go, no, that wasn't the article I thought it was. How long, how long have you got to do that, or is it... I'm not actually sure. I, to be honest, I haven't had any articles that I've clicked on that I've been wrong on. But from what I was reading on the documentation, it sounds like you, you've... I think within... Actually, I don't even know, Paul. I'd have to read up on it. I think it's pretty quick. You've, you've got a bit of a limited time window to click refund. But you can go, oh, yep, wrong article, click, refund, back in, haven't lost any time. So, yeah, get on it. Cool. Well, I'm I'm still in the list. So you're you're ahead of me, Nate. I don't know. Um, I don't know how that happened. No idea. It's a, it's well. It's a good. It's a must good. be my Twitter handle. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening in. Now, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We do appreciate you always catching catching the New Zealand Tech Podcast each week. Feel free to email me any any feedback, uh, suggestions for content. I do try and get back to everyone, but I'm it doesn't always happen. So apologies if. if um, if you haven't had a response from me, but feel free to email me again. And I do enjoy meeting up with, with listeners or if you've got any uh, business that you'd like to do with uh, with Gorilla, uh, feel free to get in touch. Um, you can reach me on email, uh, paul at spain.nz. That's my personal email, uh, which you can reach me on. And you can find me on Twitter at Paul Spain and facebook.com slash Paul Spain, which is where I tend to post little live videos and bits and pieces, and uh, in fact, I'll I'll be popping up a little uh, a little video of the um, of the Note Seven at at some stage uh, shortly there on the um, on the Facebook. So um, that's me. We will be back again next week. Nate, where do we track you down on your social media? Oh, super, or have you already told us? Oh, super easy. Just at Nate. At, oh uh, yes, that's uh, right. N A T. And um, I do a bit of blogging on Geekson as well. So either of those two will get me. That is excellent. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you again next week. All right. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.